0: Everybody, welcome. Come on in. Grab a seat. <laughs> Miss you guys. Wow, it's good to see you. It's been a minute. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard I've been like 40 days, 40 nights out in the desert wilderness of Phoenix, Arizona. I've accomplished nothing except growing this disgusting mustache that I have stuck on my face now. A real whisker wagon I got here. Um, As you can see, my mustache, if you can see, I try to hide it with the stubble here, but it's thriving, which means my wife's attractiveness to me is at an all-time low. (laughs) Heading into uh, Valentine's Day. We'll see if she gets lucky. Um, I, I mean, can you blame her? I don't know. I've been trying to figure this out, honestly my perspective, I feel like I look like this legend I'm about to show you, okay? We're talking about it now. Here we go. This guy was the great influencer on the Rons of our day. Yes, Ron Burgundy, Ron Swanson. This is the legend. This is where it all started, kids, okay? That's what I think I look like, that lip foliage right there. But uh, for some reason, my wife thinks I look like this animal. (laughs) the one on the right Uh, that's good well and the saddest part about this whole mustache thing is I feel like in this context like if you're new to church you actually think I look like the next tool (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right well (laughs) sorry I just had to get that off my face chest Um, I don't want to waste your time, so here we go, okaly-dokaly. If this is your first time, uh, my name's Michael, if you didn't recognize me, I'm Michael, I'm normally doing like the music, and I'm the singing guy. Uh, I don't teach very often, clearly, Uh, but man, I really am excited to be back, and just a quick update, because I haven't seen you guys in a while, if you don't know where we've been. Um, My wife and our family and I... Well, I should say this about my wife. Many of you guys know that she was diagnosed with Lyme disease a little over a year ago. And we've been in this process of healing for that, of which you guys have been a part of. Many of you in, in the prayer room, in this back room, huddling around us, praying for healing for her. And um, the same way that Lyme disease kind of crept up on us over a year, we've seen God's healing take place over the past year. Um, So thank you guys. Thank you for being a part of that. Thanks for coming around us in that process. And uh, she actually sent a text this week um, just thanking you guys personally. Thank you for your prayers and unwavering support. And she misses you. We miss you guys. Um, So what's happened though is that... Uh, with her symptoms, it's really healthy for her to be in, like, a desert, arid climate. So we moved in with the in-laws down in Phoenix, Arizona temporarily uh, for this next season. And we, our plan is to actually move back to downtown Bend this summer. So, yeah, it's going well. Um, and she says hello. And in that picture, I don't know if you noticed, but she's, like, out in sunshine playing pickleball. You know? <laughs> like, she texted that to me on Wednesday when it was snowing here. I'm like, I can't, my hands still are, they're still cold. <laughs> I can't warm up here. Um, so yeah, it's not bad being in Phoenix, Arizona. It's, it's pretty nice down there. It's not exactly my skin type, you know, my skincare routine's a little funky now, uh, but I'm making the most of it. Here's a selfie I took last week, actually. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Can you put the mustache on there, Luke? Is that possible? My guy. Yes. Whatever we're paying you, we're going to double it. He's a volunteer? Oh. Double burritos on volunteer appreciation night. You earned it. Perfect. Um, in all seriousness, though, uh, what God is doing here at Riverbend Church is, is really special. Do you guys notice that? Um, we're so grateful to be a part of this church. You guys are amazing. It's so good to be here this morning worshiping with you. Um, you know, Phoenix, Arizona. million people there's a lot of churches down there and we've been trying to find a church that at all resembles river bend and it's just not possible that's not to say there aren't healthy churches down there there are Um, but what god is doing here is unique and we say it all the time we're making disciples in fact every church has it on their their website their front page oh we're here to you know the great commission make disciples um And so yeah, it's one thing to make time to be with Jesus on Sundays, to learn from him, but what I think sets this church apart is doing the things Jesus did. You guys are putting into practice the way of Jesus, and it's just good to be here. So thank you guys for that. Uh, Well, I read this in an article this last week from a writer named Paul Kingsnorth, and I thought I would read it to you guys this morning. this writer, his background is crazy. Um, after years of atheism and Buddhism, then witchcraft, he eventually began to follow Jesus and make Jesus his Lord. Uh, he now lives out in the farmland on the west coast of Ireland where he and his wife homeschool their children, keep a farm, and generally live out like the values that most of us do by escaping Portland in California, right? <laughs> He's kind of like one of us. He says this, quote, I am an animist in an age of machines, a poet of sorts and a dictatorship of merchants, a believer in a culture of cynics. Either I'm mad or the world is. My most strongly held belief is this, that our modern crisis is not economic, political, scientific, or technological, and that no answers to it will be found in those spheres. I believe that we are living through a deep spiritual crisis, perhaps even a spiritual war, and my interest these days is what this means. (laughs) Do you guys resonate with that a little bit? Okay, I did a ton. I was like, oh my gosh, that's how I feel. Yeah. And I I imagine there's probably even someone in here that hasn't made Jesus Lord of their life, and you feel that same letdown from those things that the world has offered you. There's a desperation, there's, there's a need, there's something we all want in this room. You know, there's something more to this life that we're after that Jesus has offered us. And look, church, we, we're, we're a rare bunch, aren't we? We're a peculiar people. We're living for a different kingdom than that of Bend, Oregon. And either we're mad or the world is. Um, now there's this war of kingdoms that's taking place. The kingdom of heaven versus the kingdoms of this world. And we're right in the middle of it. Put another way, there's a war of wills. There's people who will what they want for themselves, the world's wills, and then there's the will of our Father in heaven. I mean, We pray here often, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that puts us in direct opposition with the kingdoms of this world. Now, we're in week six of our prayer series, A Fellowship of Burning Hearts, and this morning we're gonna study what God's will is in our prayers, in our prayer life, and how do we pray God's will for others. Quick definition of will is to have an intent or purpose. So put another way, what are God's intentions for us? how do we pray into the will of God? Or, if you wanna say it this way, what is our purpose and how do we pray that for others? Now, I'm thinking of a question for our Western church context, um, whose will is already at odds with the wills of this world. If our primary approach to God's will is through the Bible, a pastor, or say, influencer, or a community, then could it be that there might be no room in our minds for the Spirit in that process? And so then, what is the way that God wants us to pray His will? And again, how would God answer the question of what we ought to expect from those prayers, especially when we don't get the answers or the results that we're looking for? And I believe in our text this morning that not only does Paul give us a biblical perspective for praying God's will, but also we're shown how to create space needed to receive his will. And our passage will show us how we invite the wisdom and knowledge of God's Spirit within this community here at Riverbend. And so, that said, before we go any further, um, let's pray. Yeah? And this prayer is taken from A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God. Lord, teach me to listen. The times are noisy and my ears are weary with the th- thousands of raucous sounds which continuously assault them. But give me the spirit of the boy Samuel when he said to you, speak, for your servant is listening. Let me hear you speaking in my heart. Let me get used to the sound of your voice. That its tones may be familiar when the sounds of earth die away. And the only sound will be the music of your speaking voice. Amen. Amen. Quick story. It's 2002, I'm graduating high school down in Medford, Oregon, and I wanted three things for my life. The will of Michael Watson right here. Put it in this category. This is my will be done, okay? One, live somewhere warmer, right? Thinking San Diego might be nice. You know, a little Southern California. Wasn't like I was paying the bills anyways. So, second thing, never go to college, right? After 12 years of high school or grade school, Done. Right? Didn't want to do that. Third thing. Get married fast so that I could have someone to serve faithfully. Sheesh. Uh, So next I did a thing called YWAM. Some of you have heard of it. It's an acronym for Youth with a Mission. And first thing you have to do in YWAM is a thing called DTS or Discipleship Training School. which It's kind of school, but there's no test, and you can't really flunk out. You can get kicked out, which I came close. Um, But the base, the training portion of this was in Hawaii, so that wasn't bad, right? And it was co-ed, of course. So really, three months into my adulthood, I was like this close to fulfilling all of my own wills. You know? It was good. To give you an idea of life um, in Hawaii, here's just a picture of me on the Waikiki strip hanging out with some total babes. (laughs) Really sweet ladies. I had to crop their husbands out of the picture, but um, they were nice too. This is my version of uh, training for street evangelism, okay? (laughs) So after three months of training, you can take that slide down, please. you can email Andrew any complaints from today's <laughs> teaching too. He'll receive those. Yeah, good. At least one? Good, great. Um, yeah, so after three months of training, we went on outreach, and our outreach was to Thailand. And this is crazy. I mean, you pack up all your belongings into one backpack. That's all you can take with you. And three months with some people you just met, all right? So you no know, friends or family and uh, you're eating rice, three meals a day, there's no cell phones, there's very limited internet access, and uh, on top of that, we had no idea what we were doing every day, because we didn't speak Thai, so <laughs> we just wake up and you're like, here I am, Lord, send me, you know? and, uh, man, I didn't tell the story in the first one, but um, there was one day we woke up and they they drove us, I said hop in the truck and they drove us to a Thai public school and as we're walking into the public school right there in the courtyard, this is wild, hundreds of students bowed down in prayer to the Buddhist statues that are like three stories high. And we're just showing up like, oh my goodness, we're about to do like an evangelical assembly where we perform for these students and give the gospel message. Now, I say perform like this because (laughs) uh, performing for the YWAM group was mostly interpretive dancing. Again, we couldn't speak the language. So, you know, if you remember like Napoleon Dynamite, Happy Hands Club, (laughs) this kind of stuff, a lot of this kind of stuff in YWAM. I wasn't, I was like, how about no? <laughs> my leaders, they're like, well, you got to choose one or the other. And the other was playing the music. So for three months straight, I played Mercy Me's, I can only imagine, <laughs> while this is happening. <laughs> like, Lord, this is my nightmare. <laughs> we did it. I got through it. Three months on outreach, and we fly home. And then uh, the point of this story, too. Uh, really unexpected things happened. Um, one, I was, I was noticeably full of the Holy Spirit. we're like the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And, and I mean it. It was like close family and friends were like, what happened to you, dude? Like, this is not the same grumpy face guy we knew, you know? I was loose. I was light. It was, it was amazing. Um, uh, where's Tony Pilata? Tony, you were there for that time. Even Tony was like, hey man, come play in my band. Before YWAM, he never asked me to play in his band, okay? <laughs> so I'm not making this up. Uh, the second thing, the Spirit led me to do three things against my will. Let's take a look at it again. My will be done, and on the right, thy will be done. So, one, the first thing was move to Portland, somewhere cold, oh. gloomy, rainy. Phil Comer asked me to help out plant Solid Rock Church at the time and became an incredible mentor to me. Uh, The second thing was go to college. Also, you've influenced that too. (laughs) So I signed up for Portland State University. And then the third thing, I waited to get married, which, you know, to be honest, I wasn't exactly marriage material at the time, so (laughs) there was no ladies knocking at my door. Uh, Now, interesting side note. I just find this really interesting in light of today. Um, When I returned from YWAM, I remember uh, it was like in the summertime and I'm having lunch with a close friend and like the NFL popped up, sports. I'm like, I have no idea who won the Super Bowl. I have no idea who was even in the Super Bowl. Like what teams, the halftime, none of it. I couldn't, I was like, I was in Thailand. I was on mission doing Jesus stuff, you know? I'm talking to the friend and they're like, yeah, I already forgot too. You know, like six months go by and like nobody's even thinking or talking about it. And this this was like a huge lesson for me. It's kind of an epiphany, a paradigm change, a warning early in life for me that the most important thing that I can give my time to is Jesus and the kingdom of God and the byproduct being a spirit-filled life. And now I say all that, I'm not trying to ruin your plans for this afternoon, okay? I'm just as excited to see what happens in the great drama of Taylor Swift and Kelsey and whatever the guys are doing on the field. But, um, yeah, you know, so I'll, I'll be hanging out with I'm doing Super Bowl stuff. Um, but yeah, I learned this, and, and maybe this is a word for somebody this morning. Um, some things don't need to matter. There's a lot of things in our life We live in a culture where we're constantly being blitzed by the power of pop culture. It's hard to get away with. You literally have to go to another country. (laughs) But some things don't need to matter. I can surrender these things to King Jesus. My life is worth more. At the end of my life, I'm not going to look back on it and go, oh, man, I just wish I watched more games, right? I don't think you guys would either, right? At the end of our life, we're not going to be like, man, I just wish... I scrolled more on TikTok or spent more hours playing Fortnite, you know, or just watching more Christmas Hallmark movies like my father-in-law. It's not even Christmas. He's still watching Christmas Hallmark movies. The guy is a fanatic. (laughs) But to surrender those lesser needs and make time to be with Jesus, you know, to be knelt down at Jesus' feet in prayer, listening to him speak. And let this be encouragement for you guys to, to sign up 40 days of Lent praying in this back room. I want to quote from Diane, who's here. Hi, Diane. <laughs> she said this in her book, He Speaks in Silence. To choose surrender is to choose something better than control, better than the perfectly manicured life. To choose surrender in all the messiness that goes with it is to choose to sit at Jesus' feet in unfettered abandon, to hear and understand the better thing that each of us so desperately needs. That's good. That's what I need. That's what we need. All right. So, before we get into the teaching, uh, I want to do kind of a fun game show type quiz. You guys ready for this? This is an experiment, okay? It worked in the first gathering, Eh, kind of. Don't worry, it's multiple choice, and there's, there's no bad answer, so got to fill in the blank on this question, or sentence. We should ask God to fill us with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that A, the word gives us, B, the spirit gives us, C, Jesus gave us through the gospel or the story of the kingdom of God, or lastly, D, that comes by the fellowship of of believers. Now it's worth 3 points, but the points don't matter. Just take your time, think about it, maybe whisper it to a neighbor. Okay, go for it. Time's up. Here we go. The answer is the answer is B, the spirit. Now this sentence, this idea comes right out of our text Today, from Paul to the Colossians, and I'm going to assume, without asking you guys to share your answers, or getting into your church background, or referencing like a Barna Group survey, or something like that, but I'm going to assume that many of you are hesitant to choose answer B, okay? I have a Bible church background, Uh, I'm with you, the Spirit would not be my first choice in this case, Um, and that said, please open your Bible, or your Bible app, to Colossians chapter 1. Verse nine. So just scroll past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, until you start seeing like Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians, and then you're really close to Colossians. While you're turning there, I'll give you some historical context. His teaching is titled Filled with the Knowledge of His Will. It's around sixty AD. The apostle Paul is on mission making disciples for Jesus, but finds himself momentarily in prison in Ephesus. And while in prison, and to his surprise, he finds out that a church has sprung up not too far away from him in the city of Colossae. Colossae is in modern day Turkey, southwest region, about 70 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. So this is a real place. Now, already, this young church was, to quote Paul, noteworthy for their love for all God's people, helping spreading the kingdom of King Jesus. All that to say, Paul's stoked. His disciples are making disciples. His church is planting other churches. And so, he writes this letter to encourage them, and we pick it up in verse nine. For this reason... The day, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Some of your Bibles say spiritual understanding. So that, now here's what happens when you are able to receive God's will from the Spirit. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. This is the word of the Lord. Whoa, okay. Uh, That was like a long sentence Paul just gave. Did you guys get a little bit lost in it? Yeah, that was like a super big run-on sentence, classic Paul run-on sentence. Um, There's just a lot to take in. So for me, this is like our exegesis. I just want to break this down for us in three categories, and it moves from left to the right. So what we want, how we do it, and the results. What we want, prayer filled with the knowledge of God's will. Good. How do we do it? Through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives? Okay, we'll look into that. And then the results, and this is kind of my interpretation of that scripture, is perfect life choices, healthy relationships, doing good and fulfilling work, reproducing a ton of life-giving energy, continual growth, endless backing from God's power and resources, inexhaustible endurance, patience, joy, gratitude, purpose, uniqueness. I mean, the whole list hits the floor up here. That's crazy. That's a lot of good stuff. I want that. Who wants that? Yes, sign me up. Okay, so we could spend this whole time talking about the results, but if you're like me, you would never do that. You're like, well, I want to get there, so how do I get to those results? My wife teases me for this all the time. She's like, we're going to Hawaii. Aren't you excited? I'm like, I don't even want to think about it until I'm there. I'm going to focus on packing our bags, you know, (laughs) getting the house ready and all the things. But that's just the way I'm wired. So, yeah, we're going to focus on the first two things here. And this is really important because, guys, I'm turning 40 in, like, a few months. You need to be able to pray God's will for me, okay, so I get those results so that I can be as happy as this next picture I'm about to show you, okay? This is what I want for my life. So pay attention, okay? Yes, so how do we get these results? This is easy. You know, similar to uh, like learning Spanish. Like I want to learn a bunch of Spanish words. Well, you know, good advice, you move to Spain or Mexico and you learn a bunch of Spanish words, right? Or if you want to grow a hideous mustache, you move to the desert and grow a beard and then shave it all at once and then wham, mustache, right? So we're gonna look at these first two things to get those results. And that's all we're going to do this morning. So this will go way faster than all of Andrew's teachings the last five (laughs) weeks. Um, What does it mean to fully know what God's will is for us? And two, we'll spend some time on that first one, just briefly. And then two, how do we carefully receive that from the Spirit? You guys tracking? Sound good? Okay. I got to take a sip of this water. I don't know if you guys can tell, my voice is totally hoarse. I was... um, Wait. I uh, met with Andrew on Wednesday, and I don't know if you guys know this, but lead pastors, they talk real loud, okay, even when they're off stage. And so there we are at Lone Pine, we're like two feet from each other, just shouting at each (laughs) other's faces. What's going on with you? Oh my gosh, how's your family? Yeah, God, it's so good. (laughs) People are like scooting away from us, like trying to, buy. did you notice that? People were like, get away from, okay. Oh, man. I know, I know. I couldn't let the whole teaching go by without teasing you at least three times. We love you. I love this church. Should I say that? Okay. This is the last time I'm teaching? Great. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, I've been trying to recover. I like lost my voice this last week. Um, but here's a couple of quotes just before we get into it. I thought these were really inspirational. Um, One is, you can't know God's will for your life if you've already told him what you're going to do. Mm, There's that collective, mm, yeah, stick that on your Instagram and post it. And the second one, from Diane again, I love this one, I've learned that one of the surest ways to hear God is to let go of control. Yeah. She wrote a sweet book called, He Speaks in Silence, uh, which sounds a lot like an incredible name for a screamo band. I don't know if you know that, Dan. Has anybody told you that? It'd be pretty dope. All right, back on track. Here we go. Question number one What does it mean to fully know what God's will is for us? This is a good question. This is why we got to do this. Now, in short, here's the answer, and you'll recognize this list. What does it mean to fully know what God's will is for us? All of the above, right? It's all. I told you there were no bad answers. Okay, you didn't believe me. I'm not a mean person. (laughs) The word gives us God's will. The Spirit gives us God's will. Jesus gave us His will through living out the story of the gospel, and it comes today by the fellowship of believers, the church. So the answer is E, all of the above. And they're all needed. And this is important. These are all needed to understand God's will. For example. Um, uh, if you want to reference God's will in Scripture. It's simple. You can look at the commands of, of God. That is His will, His words. You can go to the Proverbs and read His wisdom. Um, you can look at the character of God, who He is and how He relates to human beings. That's His will. Or you can look at Jesus, the way, the truth, of life, the Word, living in flesh. But beyond those, you'll also find places... <laughs> That just flat out tell you, okay? Here's one of them. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything, give thanks, for this is the will. Yeah, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And there's many more like this. You know, I'll let you, on your own time, just go search on Google, God's will for my life, okay? Much more could be said about all of those answers. I mean, especially demonstrating the will of God through the gospel, answer C, and the arrival of the kingdom, through King Jesus, the prototype for how we should live. Likewise, answer D, knowing God's will through being in a community, a community like this with Jesus followers who can, who can help us. You guys, we all help each other discern the scriptures, share wisdom, and, and, and hear and sense what the Spirit is speaking to one another. That's the purpose of the church, one of the purposes of the church So I don't wanna diminish any of those things, they're all important, Uh, but we're gonna move on to the next question, which is, how do we carefully receive from the Spirit? And here's the reason we need to move on from those other three things, it's because Jesus himself moved on literally. Yes, here's what I mean. If you have your Bible open, go ahead and turn it over to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. I love these chapters right in here, there's so much good stuff. John chapter 16, what do I mean by Jesus moved on? Well, Jesus tells his disciples, I'll read it to you, I have much more to say to you, it's John 16 verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can handle right now. (laughs) Now pause, keep in mind, the disciples are in the scriptures, in Torah, they're in community, They're experiencing the kingdom of God, and yet they're still really confused about what Jesus is saying and what's about to happen next in their lives. They need more details. And Jesus said, you can't handle that right now. But, Jesus continues, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what it is, or what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, "The Spirit will receive from me what will make known, uh, me, what He will make known to you." Now, earlier in John chapter 14, Jesus calls the Spirit our advocate or our helper. And he adds this, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, so how do we carefully receive God's will from the Spirit? Well, the answer would be having a personal relationship With the Spirit. If you want to know God's will for your life, you want all those results that we talked about earlier, what to do, you want to know what to do, like right now, moment to moment. I want to hear what God would say to me right now in the decision that I'm facing. You want the details, and Jesus says this I give you the Spirit. You want day to day help, I give you the Holy Spirit. You want to pray the will of God for others. I give you the Spirit. This is big. Okay, this is the point of the whole teaching right here. You and I need to learn how to pray and to be led by the Holy Spirit, how to communicate, how to grow in relationship with the Spirit, or as my friend put it, just how to do Holy Spirit stuff, right? (laughs) This is our discipleship to Jesus, and nothing less. Nothing less will do. Okay. Take a deep breath. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot to take in. I think this is a good moment in the teaching to sort of pause and ask ourselves the question, do I want this? Or sub-question, am I ready for this? Do I want the Holy Spirit? Am I ready for the Holy Spirit in my life? The temptation, the temptation is to continue to, to run your own life to ignore the spirit, to keep God in a box, and to choose what scripture you'll let speak to your lifestyle, and to even maybe even choose a community that follows suit with all of those things. You know, Dallas Willard said it better than I ever can. Quote, perhaps we do not hear the voice of God because we do not expect to hear it. Then again, perhaps we do not expect It because we know that we fully intend to run our lives on our own and have never seriously considered anything else. The voice of God would therefore be an unwelcome intrusion into your plans. So, again, are you ready for the Holy Spirit to direct your will? Are you ready for the intrusion and the disruption? To your plans, and while you're thinking about that, I'll I'll tell you another story. Um, 2015, and uh, my wife and I were a part of a community much like Riverbend that had just initiated Holy Spirit stuff, and so we were learning. Um, a lot of just the practices of Jesus. And as far as our prayer life, it involved contemplative prayer, just sitting, receiving the love of God, um, listening prayer, trying to hear God's voice and act on it. And and the Spirit was faithful. The Spirit did some cool things. Even though there's some fumbling, we're still kind of getting used to it. We were beginning to watch the Spirit um, speak to us and, and speak to us from our community. I mean, it was just, it was awesome. It was a really good time. Um, and, on top of that, we were living our best life. <laughs> we were downtown next to Northwest 23rd in a loft. We had two incomes, no children, and a very small cat. So like life was good. This was our best life that we were living. Well, fast forward, it's 2017, and my boss, uh, Evan, uh, was returning to San Diego to plant a church, and I loved working for Evan. That was one of the best jobs I ever had, and I was like, well, yeah, we'll we'll consider going to San Diego, who wouldn't consider going to San Diego, you know, and, uh, and very quickly as we we're praying about it and talking about it with people, we realize what you guys already mm-hmm. know in the room, which is nobody moves to California, okay, we mo- a lot of people move out of California, but it doesn't flow the other way, and there's reasons for that, they tax me for my car, after the car I bought two years earlier, I'm still mad about it, Okay. Um, <laughs> So, so as we were, like, thinking about it and praying about it and trying to discern what God's will was, the, the decision was pretty clear. Like, we're not going to go to San Diego. Like, we're not going to do this. And I was going to show you some journal entries that we were making. But one of the journal entries, you know, it's, like, it's got two mountains, and I'm literally, like, dialing out all the pros and cons. Like, if we go, if we stay. And it was just, again, it was like, we're not going to go. And then as either me or my wife wrote, like, God, if you're going to send us, like, you need to like literally speak, like we need to hear audible voice of God, needs to be powerful, you know, journal done, boom, moved on with our lives. Well, as it happens, <laughs> God was listening, and um, my wife was driving home from church, you know, up the 217 in Portland, about to get on the 26 to head downtown, and um, again, because it was what our community was doing, she said, I, I think I'm going to turn off what I'm listening to and just do some listening prayer while I'm driving in the car. And uh, about 30 seconds into it, just bam, Spirit grabs a hold of her attention and gives her this vision for what we needed to do in our lives. And she gets home and she's like, grabs her journal and she's trying to like draw pictures, like, because it was just so clear in her head, but she had to like write it down. And then I get home. It was a Sunday, so I just got done leading worship, and I get home. I'm exhausted. And I come in the door, and she's, like, sitting at the kitchen table, just, <laughs> we need to talk. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in for it. <laughs> what happened? Is the cat still alive? I don't know. Uh, and she begins to tell me what happened, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. I'm like, God actually spoke. And at that point, it was just about obedience, God had spoke. And, and part of that obedience, and catch this, was, was still discernment, all right? Just because the Spirit speaks doesn't mean you don't put it back through the things. Okay, what, what do the Scriptures say? What does our community, what do our leaders say about this? And um, so we did that, and you know, we started telling our bosses, like, hey, we, we're going to San Diego. Spirit is sending us. Um, and this is really crazy. It, it was just a two-month time that we left Portland, packed up all of our stuff, found new jobs and, uh, and a new place to live in San Diego, just within two months. I mean, it was crazy. It felt like you hoist the sail to your sailboat, and then the wind, the Spirit, just hits it, and you're off. I mean, it was just incredible what God did there. Uh, and then continue to do. Then we're in San Diego. For three years, we were just right in the thick of that clash of kingdoms. We're on the front lines doing kingdom work that Jesus sent us on. And some of you know this, that's not easy, okay? There's exciting stories. There's stories about my wife's employees coming to church, you know, meeting Jesus. We, we went to so many weddings that year. People liked us for some reason. I think it's because we made them free cocktails and coffee. But either way, God is doing all this awesome stuff that's exciting, but simultaneously there is a battle going on. And there are some, sco- some stories I could tell you that were scary. That was like, oh my goodness, we need to rely on Jesus to push back our adversary, the Satan. But in all of that, we don't regret a thing. No regrets. Why? Because God was with us. Because we were fulfilling the will of God in our own lives. And so, it yielded those results, those results we talked about. Fullness of life, maturity, fulfillment, joy, health, all of that by following the will of God. I'm gonna quote Frank Lubach. He's gonna uh, kind of bring this idea home for us. He says, as for me, I never lived. I was half dead. Strong language. I was a rotting tree until I reached the place where I wholly, with utter honesty, resolved and then re-resolved that I would find God's will and I would do that will, though every fiber in me said No. And I would win the battle in my thoughts. And it was as though some deep artesian well had been struck in my soul. You and I shall soon blow away from our bodies. Money, praise, poverty, opposition, these make no difference. For they will all alike be forgotten in a thousand years. But this spirit, which comes to a mind set upon continuous surrender, this spirit is timeless. So conclusion, we create space for the Spirit to move. We invite the wisdom and knowledge of God's will within our lives. Here's the final question before we wrap up. Do you you believe that you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that? Do you believe you can begin to dialogue, to have conversation with the Spirit, that you can hear from God? Can you? Can we carefully... Carefully receive God's will from the Spirit. And if it's anything like my story, which I was hesitant to, t- to share, but if it's anything like my story, um, it doesn't have to happen overnight, which I think is comforting. Instead of giving you like a list of things to do, I also thought that here in our gathering, we would just start the practice together in community. And I know you guys have been doing this in the weeks preceding this one. So we're going to try that right now. We're going to get into a practice. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And uh, go ahead and stand. This is a good time to stand. I don't know how I'm doing on time, but I'm going to assume it's faster than you, Andrew. I'm It's just an assumption. (laughs) So we're going to move into a practice. Quick notes, Uh, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, uh, Jesus' response wasn't, hey man, just pray from the heart. (laughs) Just let it go. Just let it rip, you know? Like, no, Um, they wanted to get better at prayer, and Jesus gave them an answer. He said, okay, pray like this Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Um, Likewise, we've been learning from the prayers of Paul in this series. We've been given examples and prayer habits to make. And so I just wanna share with you a paradigm, something that I've learned from others on how to pray and hear from the Spirit of God. And I've only ever called it listening prayer. I'm sure there's other names for it. Listening prayer, and what I mean by that is three different things. One, to settle in, first movement. Second thing, to wait, to be still. And the third is to obey. You guys are already familiar with some of this. Now, uh, this, this is something I learned from pre-gathering prayer back in the day. It's something that I started implementing into my own like morning devotion time. And then I noticed the same rhythm started happening as I was praying for people one-on-one instead of just like blitzing it, God heal this person. You know, like, whoa, maybe let's just pause for a second. What does the spirit want to say to whoever I'm praying for? This is cool. Now, a reminder, um, this is about learning to be in a personal relationship with God, to grow familiar with his presence and to get a sense of what his voice sounds like when he speaks. Uh, Listening prayer is not a means to treat God like a cosmic butler or God on demand, okay? Willard, again, says it perfectly. Let this guide us into the moment. The key is to focus more on building our personal relationship with our creator and less on individual actions and decisions. Hearing God's directions is only one dimension of a rich and interactive relationship. Obtaining specific guidance is but one facet of hearing God. Learning to hear God is much more about becoming comfortable in a continuing conversation and learning to constantly lean on the goodness and love of God than it is about turning God into an ATM for advice or treating the Bible as a crystal ball. All right, you guys ready to try it together? Cool. Oh, a couple other caveats. Again, if, if you're just visiting, you're new, and you're not sure about any of this, there's no pressure. Um, just enjoy the spa-like instrumental music and try not to fall asleep. And uh, again, another reminder, one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. Uh, You don't need to be afraid of some out-of-control manifestation of the Spirit, okay? Spirit is gentleness. And so some of you come from backgrounds of more Pentecostal, charismatic churches, and let this be a moment of reintroducing you to this Holy Spirit, okay? So we're going to get into it. Settle, settling in. We start by settling in. Father, we're here for you. I'll just talk us through this a little bit. It's good to find the right physical posture. Many of you have already just opened up your hands like this to receive, it's a great one. Take a deep breath. We prepare our heart. We prepare our mind. At the same moment we accept our materialism, our embodiment. We center ourselves, our self-awareness. I found it helpful, as you see me do often, I'll pray with my eyes open just to see materialism, just accept that I'm in this room. It means the sounds you hear, little babies cooing or children, stomping around upstairs. Just accept those things. They're good. Let them bring a smile to your face. The sunlight coming through the windows. Part of this is receiving the moment, tuning our senses, sounds, smells, lights. Thank you, God, for this moment. often do, in my morning time, I'm going to read Psalm 131 just to help in this process. Join me in this prayer. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not arrogant, and I don't have the vantage point to see everything like you. I Do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child with its mother like a weaned child I'm content I put our hope in you Lord now and forevermore And now we're just gonna wait we're gonna wait and listen Romans eight twenty five says in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us Wordless groans, searches our hearts and minds. Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. Let's wait, let's listen. mind seemingly wanders just bring those thoughts back to god you can ask god is there something there and if there is why did you show that to me god why am i getting that sense or picture or word or song and if not just let it go picture or word just ask the lord first thank him and then ask him what to do with it is this for me or is this for someone else transition now right into our response worship through singing and song we're gonna come to the tables Um, before that though some of you may have heard or sensed nothing and that's okay this is the beginning of a relationship in fact it's really a common contemplative practice just to rest in the love of God and get used to being in the same room as him right how often do you husband and wife sit in the living room together and don't say a word to each other? It's nice, isn't it? It's nice to be in their presence. So we grow in that as well. And then the last thing, you know, in our rhythm before we respond to music is to obey and to respond faithfully. And part of that is just remembering what happened. So often when I'm doing this, you know, I have my phone out, notes out, and I'm just writing down. And, and there's a lot of like clueless, I'm like, God, I don't know what this is for, you know? I don't know if this is for the person I'm standing next to or or for another time, but I'm gonna remember. And then of course, uh, to obey. And in Hebrew, I'm, maybe you've heard this before, but listening and obeying are actually one and the same. They're synonymous. As in, uh, you never really listened unless you obeyed, right? I wish my five-year-old knew that. <laughs> So we need to obey. If the, if the Spirit spoke something to you, and this is where it's nice to do this in community, and you're just kind of unsure about it, well, talk to somebody, a faithful friend. Talk to a mentor, figure it out. Like, uh, I kind of heard this, I don't know. Is that the Spirit of God, or is that the cheese pizza I ate the night before, you know? It's a safe place, it's a safe place to do that. So we're going to respond, bands here, and um, we're going to come to the tables like we do every week. So during this next song, come, grab the bread and the cup, bring it back to your seat, and I believe Andrew's going to come, lead us in communion. You don't need to rush to the tables, there's time, this is a holy moment where we get to rest in the presence of God, um, and again, if you're new to our church, hang on to the bread and cup, don't take it right away, okay? Um, we're going to take it together, Andrew will lead us. So let's respond in worship, and I'm going to pray one last time, thank you, Father. Thank you for being, as it says in Exodus, a jealous God. You're jealous for the heart of your people, for the minds of your people. You're the God who is with us. Thank you for your presence, God. And you are the God who spoke everything into existence. (laughs) As Tozer said, it would be absurd to think that you just decided to be silent (laughs) in our day and age. You are the God who speaks. Jesus is the word. So we thank you, God, for your voice leading us. And for your will. Amen. Let's respond.